Canucks Central. It is hour number two on the show. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. Uh, It is a Friday. Uh, We're going to uh, play the uh, Rick Tockett conversation in full a little bit later on, but uh, if you missed it, you can find it already up on the podcast as well. Find it on your favorite podcatcher. Also, hour one of the show, we discuss uh, the Demco setback, what that could mean for the Canucks, and whether or not they plan to use their LTI space as a weapon ahead of the NHL trade deadline. A weapon or a tool? <laughs> I don't know. Weaponizing cap space. Weaponizing, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's also dramatic. Yes. You know, sports terms are so dramatic. <laughs> we are weaponizing our cap, cap space. space. <laughs> what? Battle in the trenches. Um, all right. Uh, weaponizing cap space. It, it, it has worked in the past for some teams. Will the Canucks use it uh, for potential moves? We discussed it in the first hour of today's show, so you can check that out on the podcast as well. But right now, let's get to the mailbag here on Canucks Central. I know a lot of our listeners were just eagerly awaiting, Sat, for you to hit send on the mailbag questions tweet today. I know. I I saw Austin and Langley tweet at me. This is like before noon even. He's like, where's the mailbag? Where's the tweet? It's coming. It's coming. People are getting antsy lately. Yeah, I know. They they want their questions answered, damn it. (laughs) I mean, Wednesday was probably fine because it was like 3.30. Yeah, okay. You don't have to like, uh, I know. You know what? That's on me. I was late to it. I was late to it. Usually around noon, like I've realized sometimes if you throw it in too early in the day, it kind of gets lost. Mm -hmm. People forget a little bit or whatever. I find like a little bit later in the day is good. Noon's a good time. Yeah, around noon. Yeah. That's one to expect. Anywhere from 11 to 1. Okay. Well, that's a two-hour window I give you. <laughs> the sat mailbag window. <laughs> uh, all right, let's just, get Just some like questions. 32 thoughts. i got to think about <laughs> it for two hours before sending it out. Uh, producer Josh Elliott-Wolf, and uh, we've got Ben along with us as well. Uh, so the first one, I'm going to kind of combine a few here. So it's from Jay Taj and Alistair. So are the Canucks going to be savvy enough with their cap space <laughs> to have teams – launder money through them at the deadline being a third team in trades eating a portion of the cap hit and what are some of those bad contracts the Canucks could target with their LTIR money so all the LTIR questions okay so I mean the most obvious one is the Chicago guys yep and I I would say Chicago guy like who's trading for Jonathan Taves somebody Uh. said Jonathan Taves might weigh 240 pounds right now oh really Frank Valley mentioned that yeah, like that's, he, he, uh, that's not great. Not that he's fat or anything, but yeah. it's just like, you know, he hasn't, you know, he's, I don't, like, he, you watch him play, he doesn't move all that well. No, he Compared to not. what he did before, like, he's going to just step into a lineup and be good. And recently ill as well. Yeah. Um, so, there, I don't, I don't know what the appetite is for Jonathan Taves right now. I mean, it sounds great. Add him to a fourth line, maybe, but you got to be realistic about what you're getting. And even if Chicago were to retain 50%, you're still taking on a five-plus million-dollar contract. Now you got to find a third team yeah. to take on a little bit more to make that less. Um, it's it's a big ask. It's a convoluted deal, and there's a real question mark whether or not the player and where they're at right now is actually worth it. 
So I, I, I agree with you on that. It might just be Patrick Kane out of Chicago that it makes sense for. Like, there's not a ton of guys out there. Maybe Ryan O'Reilly, a team would have to to maybe facilitate that as a third man in. Yeah, I mean, his contract, potentially, even John Klingberg with the Anaheim Ducks, mm-hmm. you know, they could retain, but he's making $6 million. Could you maybe make it easier for your team that's trying to acquire him, yeah. for instance? Like, he's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, that That's going to be UFA at the end of the season. Like, those are the players, really, to keep, to keep a close eye on. At the deadline, I don't know if the guys with term is, is going to be what's going to be going on. The only yeah. player that's been kind of discussed with term, there's two, as Eric Carlson, and then there's Jacob Chikrin. I don't know if the Canucks would get get into facilitating a trade for Eric Carlson. Four more years? I, I don't see that. I, can, yeah. I don't see them wanting to take on a cap hit for four years. That one seems a little less likely. Now, uh, like, there aren't a ton. Like, as much as we're sitting here and talking, that's why we discussed this, and I'm all for it. But for all the discussions around weaponizing cap space, like, how many players are we actually discussing here? So there's a lot of discussion around a player like... um, I'm just completely hypothesizing here. Okay. Because the name is in my head after seeing it on Twitter. Okay. Jordan Greenway. There's been a lot of discussion about him in Minnesota right now. Let's say Minnesota wants to do something and they want to get money off their books for the next couple of years. I'm not saying they're trading for Brock Besser, but they call Vancouver like, hey, you want to take this guy on for the next couple of years? Um, is that something you could think about doing? You know, It doesn't hurt you for this year, LTI space, but then you're adding $3 million to next year's salary cap. That's probably where it yeah. starts to get a little bit hairy for the Vancouver Canucks. So you start working through these scenarios – and again, you have to ask yourself as the Canucks, like, is the juice worth the squeeze when we when it comes down to it? Yeah, and and for a team like, and I'm, I know you're just using it as, as a hypothetical, but like, what would be the impetus for them to just to get rid of the money right now for a contender? Yeah, off season maybe a different discussion, but then we're not talking about the same pressure points. The Canucks are trying to use LTIR space. Yes, not real cap space as much as possible. So you start looking at players, right? Matt Dumbo is another guy who potentially in that in that mix right mm-hmm. james van riemsdyk we make seven million like these are the players that we're talking about facilitating trades for potentially and it's, it works best more yeah it works best with rentals because you know you're just retaining through the end of this year not going into next season as well yeah we've seen good like didn't the leafs do that on leonard yeah some years back during the deadline and he ended up Derek in vegas Broussard Broussard. when uh, he yeah. went to pittsburgh and that's a team that was a contender but they had some space left and they were able to help facilitate a trade I think that's what you're looking at here potentially but again once you go through it you realize we're not speaking about this 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 plentiful um, option of players that you're, you're just picking and choosing from you're guaranteed a bunch of draft picks from like it, there's no certainty they can even find a trade to facilitate for I uh, I know it's not Wednesday but are you saying this idea might be overrated yes Sat. yes <laughs> Uh, you know, in theory, it works, and and it sounds great to be like, hey, the Canucks could do all these things and add a bunch of draft picks, you know, because they've got the seven million in LTI space. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, hey, and maybe they do it. That'd be great, you know. And you know, Rafe Texan, weaponized cap space has only been since 2014. The fans have been begging for them to get that program on the docket. I'm all for it, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, this one from Craft Beer Guy. What's more important in the next two to three years for the Canucks? Freeing up cap space now or getting more prospects and picks? The cap space. So, okay, 
Can you ask a question one more time, just so I can be clear on it? So in the next two to three, two years, to three years, what's right. more important, cap space or prospects and picks? Next two to three years. And it would be freeing up cap space now and getting prospects, prospects or picks now. I'd say prospects and picks now more than cap space. Not to say they don't value cap space. Yeah. They do. But I think there's an understanding you got to get through next year as well. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the trades they've made. They didn't prioritize cap space with Bull Horvat trade. They no. prioritized the best return for the Bull Horvat trade. Cap space will come through eventually. Like, time always cures your cap issues to uh, some extent. To some extent. If they get through next year, yeah, a lot opens up. A lot opens up. That's when Pearson and Myers come off the books and even Beauvillier now they've added as, a, as another player that comes off the books next year. So... Naturally, some some salary will expire and some space will be made. But I still think... I think you can do a lot more with open cap space. Mm -hmm. And you're always going to have a certain amount of draft picks allotted to you. It's great to have more darts to throw at the target board. But having the cap space might allow you to get some really good hockey players on the cheap and the here and now. And Mm -hmm. I do think, you know, as much as the Canucks are very much in a uh, process over results stage right now, it's not a long period of time that they hope to be in this sort of scenario. For sure. The thing I would say about cap space, though, it's it's becoming next to impossible to open up cap space in the league. Hmm. Yeah. And it's going to be flat again next year. Yeah. So, like, do you just wait for something that won't happen? Or do you make the best of what you can? Oz, if Demko is out for the season, does this push the Canucks into full-blown rebuild? This feels like a big blow. I mean, I feel like it's a one-year thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the the assumption here is that he's going to be injury-prone and, and have a um, chronic growing injury. Mm-hmm. And if he has a chronic growing injury that he's going to have to manage every single year, A, how much of the season is he going to be available? And B, to what level can he get back to? But fair question to ask, but I'd say that's that's probably getting ahead of yourself. That's like yep. 2 plus 2 equals 10 mm-hmm. at this stage. It's like we, we, we got a few more equations to go until we get to that number. Sure, of course, like it's a possibility, but I, I just think that that's very assumptive at this point. I think... It's just not enough information. You know what? We don't have enough information <laughs> to make that type of declaration. Uh, we, we, we will get more information on Demko's injury as the weekend goes on. But, look, he is still relatively young. He doesn't have a ton of mileage on him when it comes to being a goaltender yeah. in, in the National Hockey League. He did have, you know, the hip procedures going back to his college days. So, you know, there there is some level of... Or there should be some level of wonder as to how much of an issue this may be over the next couple of years or through the remainder of his contract. But I'd still bet on Demko being able to figure this out and be ready for next year, assuming he's a Vancouver Canuck. Uh, Next one, Sasan. If Canucks don't win the lottery, who is the best option at number two in the upcoming draft? Their vote is for Matt Bay Mitchkov. I mean, uh, tough to say no to Adam Fantilli. Yeah, I was going to say Fantilli. Oh, no. (laughs) Hold on. 
Fantilli. We can't pick Fantilli, otherwise we got to deal <laughs> oh, with I this. I guess so. I don't know. Why? You don't think Fantilli would be a good, uh, guys, good addition to the Canucks? Does he, do he, does he refer to himself as Fantilli? Or Probably no? not, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, w- I'd still say Fantilli. Yeah. And I'm not doing the Italian. That's fair. That's I'm, fair. Not doing, I'm not doing it. It doesn't have to be your thing. <laughs> it's your thing. You'd okay, have fine. to put your foot fair. down early. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'd say him still. We're still, what, like five months away from, like four and a half months away from the draft, and we have a lot more time to, to uh, catch up on it. But mm-hmm. I think Leo Carlson and Fantilli for sure. Like, Mitchkoff's really talented, but he's still a wing. Not, not to say you don't take the best player available if he's, if he's that good, but I don't know. Fantilli's pretty good. I um, I am intrigued by Leo Carlson. You know, the, there's the, the size factor there that, that is really um, promising. Fantilli's been great in in the NCAA this year. Uh, both of these guys, and I think you know, I, talking to a few draft experts, mm-hmm. certainly more experts than I, would Fantilli and Carlson be first overall picks had they gone last year over um, Slavkovsky, over Slavkovsky and Shane Wright. And it's maybe not a slam dunk, but they're probably. in the conversation with them. I think they probably would have. Right? I mean, so, Shane Wright was a center, but Slavkovsky's a wing, ended up going higher. And yeah. until he's considered like a all-tools centerman. Yeah. He probably goes first overall. Leo Carlson probably goes first or second. Those two guys go one, two. So that's the type of prospect you're still getting. That's why yeah. this draft is so hyped up. And there's some, yeah, and there's a lot of hype. And I've heard people say it's really deep. I've heard people push back on the depth of it. But the high end is very high end. Yeah. Uh, so getting into that top five is would be a big deal for the Vancouver Canucks, to yeah. say the least. Uh, hockey gal, is there a chance they don't trade Luke Shen due to his family situation? Sure. Yeah, I mean, there's always a chance. And if if the like, let's say nobody offers more than a fourth or a fifth, is there a chance to just say let's try to sign him? Yes, it depends on the money, right? Yeah. If he's willing to take a discount and everything, it can. I don't know if it's really going to get in the way though at this point. It's uh, it's always going to be an option on the table. It's just an unlikely option to play yeah. out. As we've talked about, and as you, if they were to have been offered a second round pick, the deal's probably done already. Oh yeah, um, but that hasn't happened yet. And until it does, which may not be until you get to March third, two weeks from today, trade deadline day, um you're not going to see much movement on that. It's a bit of an unfortunate situation, but it is the reality of the situation. The Canucks want to hold out for the best possible return that they can get on Luke Shen. Uh, Marcus and Gibson's Neely versus OEL. What's the worst trade in Canucks history? Ooh. Oh, well, wow. Well, if, if Dylan Gunther turns out to be like a superstar, then, then we might get there. Yeah. Um, I guess it, the question is like, because Neely, you gave away a superstar yes. essentially. Yes. Whereas this one, even if Gunther doesn't work out, you just handicapped your team for a long stretch of time. Yeah. I mean, yes. It depends on how much it hand. I'd still say Neely. You trade away Hall of Famer, the best power forward of all time potentially. Mm-hmm. I still say Neely. Yeah, Neely was uh, he was pretty special. That one is a tough one to swallow. OEL Garland. Um, it's hard to deny that it's it's like right there with the Neely trade, though. Yeah, I mean for this right, era of yeah. Canucks, it is 
it really it's depends a really on, tough pill to swallow for sure now it all comes down to what happens with garland yeah and what happens with oel and if this hampers the team long term both guys then then absolutely i think um if like there is a pathway that the canucks can figure it out but it like none of them are great with the oel situation as we've talked about, like you're looking at a buyout, maybe saving you $7 million for next year. What are you then able to do with that? But you're, you're in a situation where you're trying to find a way to dig out of this hole that you've created for yourself now. Yes. And that's ultimately the tough part. The flat salary cap hasn't helped anybody, but also the Canucks made that trade when they knew there was going to be a flat salary cap for a while as well. So there's just really not a lot to defend uh, that decision made by that management group and uh, all of the reasons, all of the things that led up to that decision as well. Yeah. Uh, which we've gone over a bunch of times. Uh, Karan, what are your thoughts on the state of Rogers Arena as a whole? The, uh, the seats, the colors, the cardboard, or the boards outside? Rogers Arena as a whole. Uh, yeah, some, uh, some upgrades would be nice. You want seat change colors? Yeah, why not? I mean, been, it's been the same seats since the stadium came in. Yeah. We don't like the maroon seats. No. What color do you think the Would they go black? I think you have to. Give yourself options. You're gonna black go, is the easiest. You want to go black? Black, yeah. Or do black, you tier gray. them, maybe? You could tier them. Like the Air Canada Center or the Scotia Bank now? Wow, you know way too much about a Toronto rink there, Ben. I was there for four years <laughs> for basketball games. I'm just ready to point out somebody else's Toronto. Yeah, I, my biggest thing with the seats <laughs> is like you know how in the club section they have like cup holders and stuff. Yeah, I like to have see all seats have cup holders. Yeah, that would for be all better. the games you watch in the stands. Well, not just. <laughs> hey, listen, you just you just you don't just go to Rogers Arena for games. There, That's there true. are other things That's that happen at Rogers yes. Arena, um, but for fans, mm -hmm. I, I'm looking out for the for the fans. I mean, when I'm at, when I'm at an event, I like to have a cup holder. Am I am I wrong about this? No, no you're not wrong. It's probably a general. Yeah. The anxiety of having your drink under you and you're standing up, let people through, and you're like, is the seat gonna hit? Is my foot gonna hit? Is your yeah. foot gonna hit? It? Exactly. it is like a pretty big annoyance when you have like a, a water bottle that doesn't fit into the cup holder in your car, or like a a tumbler. You just made me think of Simpsons. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's very frustrating. For the mega Slurpee. Yes. Um. So the black seats, like if you're gonna go black skate, long term, as a more permanent mm, thing. I think even if you go like, even if you're still sticking with the blue jerseys, you still go black seats. And the thing with black seats though is like they're gonna leave a lot of marks on them and mm. stuff. Like black is is not that easy to maintain. You're not it shows like really bad leather seats though. No, I know, but it shows more yes. on black. Yeah, like if you have a black vehicle, it has to be like washed well, constantly. Clean, you know what I mean? Like there's looks... more maintenance for it. Yeah. Now it depends what type of material you use, but. Um, so I, they I think should blue. go gray. I could see them do blue. Okay, blue. Like darker blue, maybe. Mm. With like hints of green <laughs> or no hints of green. Do like one uh, row all around of green. <laughs> it's going to have an orca and say Vancouver on it, too. Yes. Oh, yeah, you could do that. That would be fun. Well, yeah, like they do in the soccer stadiums. Yeah. You know, and like. Get in club. Yeah. So, like, it'll be all red seats and yep. then Manchester's in white, like for United, for ah, instance. Ah, yes. That'd be neat. <laughs> so multi-colored seat seats. Colors. Yes. Uh, Rogers Arena needs a few upgrades, though. It's uh, it's in need. 
I don't know if like you know you it's need like a old. Uh, you need like a Roger Center level of renovations, but I don't know if you need that much. But it's it's like a thirty year old rink now. Yeah, almost. Like it's one of the oldest in the league. Yeah. And if you're not going to build a new one, which you're not because there's nowhere to build it, uh, you got to figure out some renos. Well, you, and you know, like one of the things I do love about the arena, and we're sitting here talking about upgrades, the sight lines are great. Oh, that rink is yeah. fantastic. It doesn't matter where you sit, you're going to get a really good view of the game. That's not common in every single rink. Mm -hmm. And even in the nosebleeds, you get a really good sight line. Like yeah. some, some of the nosebleed seats and even the worst ones, quote unquote worst ones at Rogers Arena, are better than some like lower level seats depending on which arenas you're at or which yep. sight lines you're at like the sight lines of rogers arena are excellent and that, that's something you can't really overlook all right next one rodrigo what is the best italian restaurant maybe your favorite italian restaurant in the lower mainland and what is your go-to dish there i feel like we uh, get this question a lot yeah, yeah. don't we do this every week yeah. name your top five italian restaurants might say I have an influence on the show. Um, okay. I've talked about Ask for Luigi a lot. Yeah. I really like that one. They are fantastic. Any of their pastas are elite. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. But since I've mentioned others on the show already, Di Beppe in Gastown. Okay. Very good. Great spot for a date night. Yeah. Di Beppe. Yeah. Di Beppe in Gastown. Great spot for a date night. Um, and also their pasta is fantastic. The cacio e pepe is delicious. The pizza is great as an appetizer. So you could check that out. Di Beppe on the, on the list. All right. I'm just going to start throwing out different ones every week because people ask yeah, all the time. Well, I'm going to keep reading them so that we hear about more <laughs> Italian restaurants. I may have to go check this out now. Ah, Di Beppe? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's very good. I, I think pe like most people know about Via Tevere. Was like one of the best pizza joints, just off commercial there. That one's really good if you're going for pizza. Uh, Soprasotto is also very good on commercial. Prosotto. Soprasotto, yeah. Soprasotto, okay. Uh, this one. And their truffle pasta, oof, man, <laughs> terrific. That is so terrific. Now I'm just like, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like tasting it. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic. Discount Dracula. Who would you like to see perform next in the Super Bowl halftime show? Ooh. Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. So we can, like, not understand what they're safe for 15 minutes? <laughs> well, they're mumbling. my favorite band. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I like Pearl Jam. I'm sorry. Favorite Pearl Jam song? Ooh. Indifference. Okay. Mine's got to be Yellow Lead Better still. Yeah. Do you know any of the lyrics? Not that well. Oh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Just That's pretty much it. Crunch for 15 minutes. Uh, no, that would be good. I mean, Pearl Jam would be good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I look. It's not a uh, Pearl Jam's just my favorite band, so that's you know a very uh, biased opinion. It it is hard to top the Eminem and Dre halftime really show good. that we got last year. That was year, a really though. good one. That was a really good one. I do find it weird that Drake hasn't done a halftime show. Yep, he's got the catalog for it now too. Yeah, I mean, that's so might. Toronto of you. <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> You're stepping on Reach and Ben's turf. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I think... He, who would I want? Should we go, uh, like, country these days? No? Nah. Mm, I don't know. I'm not a real big on... I'm, I'm <laughs> thinking of something... Guy? Yeah, I'm not... I'm Taylor not, Swift? Swift will be fun. 
Are you a Swifty? Not really. Let no. me, uh, how about I read out the top 10 artists? Yes, do that, please. That makes it easier. Yes. Um, Ed Sheeran? Definitely not a halftime show guy. <laughs> you don't think Ed Sheeran's a halftime show? He's got some bangers, man. Yeah, but then he'd have to mix in some sad ones. Oh, and, and he'd be crying uh, after five minutes. Here we go. That, okay, uh, so. The collab he did with Andrea Bocelli, fantastic. What a great track. <laughs> so the top 10 most followed artists on Spotify. Ed Sheeran, number one. Yep. Ariana Grande, number two. Billie Ariana Eilish. Ariana Grande. Yep. Number three. Drake, <laughs> Justin Bieber. Uh, <laughs> then there's a few more. Justin, or, uh, sorry, Taylor Swift, Eminem, others. You, you know what? Billie Eilish. She put on a good show. And I like think it'd that be would be ba- Honestly, it'd be a great show. It'd be a good show. Mm-hmm. I'm for it. Uh, I'd say, like... I don't know. I, I'm, I'm in a bit of a country phase right now. I actually went mm. to um, mm. Thomas Rhett last week at oh, yeah. Rogers Arena. Great show. This is the first time I've heard of Thomas Rhett. Really? Yeah. I oh, mean, man. maybe maybe if I hear a song. Some big tracks. Two Some, first names. Uh, <laughs> don't know if that's let, a good let me or bad time. <laughs> let me guess one of them. My pickup truck. <laughs> Essentially. Uh, Morgan Whalen. Really good. He's got isn't some it, bangers, too. Isn't it too. Wallen? I don't know. Whalen I say Whalen. Whalen. I think it's Wallen. <laughs> Is it Wallen? Yeah. You're the pronunciation guy. You've got to be on top of this. Uh, <laughs> Kendrick? Would Kendrick do Kendrick a... would be Kendrick Well, he was good. part of last year. He yeah, did, for true, a little bit. Like, he'd be, year, I think, so. honestly, I think Drake, Billie Eilish. Um, I'm just trying to think of, like, some some older, like, classic rock or rock bands. Harry Styles? <laughs> classic. Classic. <laughs> classic. Classic is a Harry rock. Styles. <laughs> classic Harry Styles. Well, I mean, like, what, what's classic? Metallica would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Metallica would be fun. You know? Like, that's more metal, but, you know. A little Uzi Vert. That'd be fun. Yep. But I don't know if he's big enough. Mm. Yeah. You need, like, yeah. a... He's oh, gonna hit he's the mainstream cameo. Yeah. Dua Lipa could do it. Yeah. She might... I don't, I don't know, know if she has enough songs. You don't think she's got the catalog yet? Yeah. I feel like you have to be popular for at least, like, five-ish years before you can do the Super Bowl. Mm. Yeah, you gotta Yeah, you gotta have some cachet. Yeah. Uh, let's end with this one. Matt Nabby, will you be descending into your local motion picture house to engorge yourself with popcorn and fountain cola while feasting your eyes on the blockbuster film Cocaine Bear? I can't wait to watch Cocaine Bear. <laughs> Honestly, I can't wait to watch that movie. It looks like the dumbest, stupidest movie ever, and I'm all for it. It's as based on a true story, though. Yeah, <laughs> it looks ridiculous. <laughs> is it actually? It is based on a true story. Well, it's like loosely based on a true story. <laughs> like yeah, I, they didn't get the actual depiction from the. He <laughs> <laughs> was not available for comment. Yeah, not available. Wait, you for didn't you didn't know that it, it is based on a. I heard on something. A true I, thought story? It was, I thought it was one of those like you know how. Um, Oh, Fargo? Yes. Th- this is based on a true story where they change the names, but it's not. They just say that for the sake of it. So sometimes people, like, sometimes for movies, they will lie and say it's based on a true story, but it's not. It's kind of, it's a bit of a tragic story, but yeah, like, it's, it's, it is based on a- <laughs> Yeah, I wonder, a true story about a cocaine and bear, it didn't end well? Wow, I'm shocked. I thought the bear had a good time. Partied up for a week or two. <laughs> so met some other lady bears. Had a great time. I, honestly, going to the movie theater uh, again. Another reference to overrated, underrated. Extremely underrated, man. It's been a while, man. It's great. It is so fun. I, I went on. Uh, I don't know. I went on a Tuesday a couple of weeks ago. 
Cheap Tuesday. Cheap, it's Tuesdays. cheaper on Tuesday. Yeah, it's, like it's cheaper Tuesday. on Tuesdays. I like that everyone just knows that Tuesday yeah. in the movie theater you know, is the cheap It's not Toonie Tuesdays anymore, well, but Toonie Tuesday. Yeah, Toonie Tuesday was legit. Back in the day, that was great. Um, but man, it's still like I I loved. I used to love going to a theater and just like uh, watching something. I didn't know what. I didn't see a trailer for it or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just like, all right, I'm, I'm watching this one. Oh, yeah. No, totally. Because you'd be like, I know this actor. know that actor. That looks yeah. cool. Let's just go watch this movie. Yes. And yeah. like, that's what it's about. Like, you get two hours, shut off your brain, watch a movie. I hate watching. Getting engulfed in some weird story. I don't like watching extended trailers. For movie trailers, 30 seconds max. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you teaser trailers. Even yeah. teaser Even trailers teaser- now are like two minutes. Two, yeah. I don't like I can't. If, if I want to watch a movie, I only... I don't watch a trailer. I yeah. try to avoid the trailer. Because after the two and a half minutes, I'm like, okay, I kind of figured out you get some, yeah. what's going on. You're anticipating certain things. I, I find if you know more about a movie, it ruins the experience. Especially yeah. if you see a cool scene. Like in your brain, you're almost anticipating it. Comedies, you know. Like uh, if you see a comedy that's getting a lot of like commercial play, they're showing all the best scenes yes. in, in the trailer. <laughs> you Anything know? funny is in the trailer. <laughs> it's like all four of the funny best scenes, scenes are already in the, the trailer. trailer. You don't yeah. need to go watch yeah. it. I'm going to the uh, the movies on Sunday. Oh, oh what are you watching? I'm going to watch Ant-Man. Oh. See, I want to see that, too. I've heard some mixed reviews, mixed reviews so I'm, yeah. a li- I'm a little worried. But right. I'm a big Paul anyway. Rudd guy, but uh, I don't know about Ant-Man. Not, uh, the first two were good. Yeah, the first two were like light and funny. Mm-hmm. This, this one, one I, I've caught in the multiverse. Yeah. Okay. See how it goes. <laughs> Rotten, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, forty-eight percent. Yeah, that's why I'm worried. Uh, tough scene on that one. Forty-eight percent. Yeah. Oh, I, I watched got... Missing. It was called Missing. Missing. Yeah, it was like one of those where you. Uh, it's it's like uh, all shot on screens, so it's like screen recorded on a laptop or your phone or security cameras. Oh, okay. And essentially, somebody goes missing, and they piece the story together. That's that's what it was. Yeah, it so was you actually watched, really good. So you went to a movie to watch security footage uh, for ninety minutes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know it was a good movie though. You know what? Don't hate until you've seen it. <laughs> I think it was like a it was a sequel to Searching. The first one was called Searching and Missing. Yes. So it's a series of these movies. <laughs> at least John. It was Wick a standalone goes- sequel, uh, so they the stories didn't like match at all, other than how the movie was shot. I see. And delivered. Interesting. Interesting. Still very. Uh, from a filmmaker's <laughs> geek sort of point of view, it was uh, it was good. Uh, all right, Rick Tockett, a talk talk is coming up next on Canuck Central.